0: Welcome to the Draft Deeper Podcast. This is your host, Nathan Grubel. Joining me as always is my producer, Kevin Black. Another incredible guest this week. We, We are three for three, knocking it out of the park with guests this week. Fresh off of a little bit of what I like to call a home and home series. This man had me on the Ion College Basketball feed earlier today when we were recording this Tuesday, May 24th. Now, it's a little bit later on in the day, he was kind enough to hop on the Draft Deeper podcast feed, and I'm incredibly excited and honored to have him on. CBS Sports writer, their own Kyle Boone. Kyle, how you doing, boss?
1: I'm doing well. Thanks so much for uh, for having me on. I will just repeat what I said earlier on the Ion College Basketball Podcast YouTube channel. You guys do great work. Uh, I've been following you guys for a few months, and I think easily one of the mo- most most uh, the best kept secret in draft online content in terms of just coverage. Uh, you guys have a passion for the draft. And I think there's a lot of people who cover the draft as a hobby that, that maybe aren't totally into it or even do it full time as a job that, you know, it's kind of a grind, a, a little bit monotonous, but you guys' passion for it, the way that you cover it from so many different angles and really break down some stuff in ways that like makes me think I really appreciate it. And um, so that's been really fun to to kind of see you guys grow and from kind of an outsider looking in, I uh, I really appreciate what you guys bring to the draft community.
0: Those those kind words about no ceilings. I, I know our, our conductor of chaos, as he calls himself, Tyler Rucker. He's gonna he's gonna eat those words up. But I, I I appreciate your your kind sentiments and it's always it's always nice to hear that somebody like yourself is is watching and, and kind of paying attention to what we're doing. So yeah. I I consider it an honor and and what better way than to talk about what we do at No Stillings. What do we do in No Stillings? Come on, we talk about the NBA draft. It's what we do five days a week, nonstop podcasts, written pieces, YouTube videos. So why not just start from a general outlook, Kyle? What are, what are kind of some of your thoughts in general about the 2022 NBA draft class? You can talk about where you're at, where you're feeling tempted to check the top of the draft, talk about some guys maybe towards like the back end of the first round, like from a talent group overall how are you feeling about this draft class
1: I'm pumped about it dude I'm pumped yes. about it because I, th- I think the very top of this draft there are some difference makers that teams are going to be able to scoop up and being from Oklahoma I'm absolutely thrilled that the Thunder have the number two pick and I know you guys have blown out the Thunder draft coverage already with my buddy Andrew um, and you guys should go back and, and check that out if you haven't already but uh, the top of this draft is really interesting because like Jabari Smith, it, I think right now we both agree is is probably gonna get, end up going number one. But like Chet Holmgren, easily one of the best defenders that I've seen at the college level, could end up going number two, like clearly a top five guy. Palo Bancaro, a guy who has just extreme polish in terms of his offensive skill set. And then Jaden Ivey, the guy who I have number one on the CBS sports big board is, is a top five guy. And I think a guy who is obviously going to be a long-term starter, but I think has, has all-star potential. So I feel like when we were talking about this a little bit off air, but we always kind of judge fair or not. We always judge draft classes based upon the star power at the top yeah, and the star power at the top is very, very appealing. And even as you get down the list in terms of, you know, like the, the late lottery, the early twenties, there are a lot of really good prospects that can help teams out. And and even I think if there's some teams in in the 20s that are willing to take some risk, uh, there's some guys who I think could be not all-stars, but like really good NBA players. So um, I do this every year where I talk myself into thinking this is a fantastic draft. Um, I'm at that point now, we're about a month away, where I think this is a really good draft and I'm really pumped about it.
0: Come on, let's let, let's keep the excitement going. That's that's certainly how we feel in those ceilings. We're pumped about every draft class. We want to break these yeah. guys down before we get into some of the specifics and the whole reason why I wanted to have Kyle on the show today. I I sat down and did the same thing with Matt, ba- Matt, Matt, ba- Matt Babcock. Excuse me. Holy cow. From basketball yeah. news. We broke down his latest mock draft over there. I want to do the same thing with Kyle, break down his mock draft, which by the time you're hearing this podcast, he may have another one up. So maybe we'll have a few spoilers or, or teasers on this episode. But nevertheless, before we dive into some specifics from his mock, since you talked about some of the depth, Kyle, and that you are excited about this draft class, I've I've had this notion for a little bit now. You mentioned the middle of the draft where teams are probably gonna take some swings, as they usually do in, in like the mid to late lottery, and that's certainly going in through the middle part of the first round through the top 20. I think there's going to be a number of teams that strike gold in the 25 to 40 range, because we, we can just go down the list of prospects. We like, like there are guys we can go all the way out between like 25 to 45, like guys who have a legitimate shot to make rotational impacts in the NBA. There's there's seals every year, but I just feel like this year, especially when there's so many guys that we don't really know what to think about them fully. There's going to be some wild cards, some guys who fall just because there's that many names. I feel like somebody's going to strike gold near the end of the first round, beginning of the second. You feel the same?
1: Yeah, totally. And we had a uh, we had a draft call earlier today, and Gary Parish made this made this point, and I totally agreed with him. Like once you get into like the late teens or the early twenties, that range through like the mid 30s. I feel like you could just toss the names into a bag and wouldn't be surprised in how they're drafted. So, I'm certain, or at least I'm fairly confident that most NBA teams don't feel that way. Um the smart teams have their order. They know exactly how they are going to draft if the if the board falls a certain way. Um and and that's where I think um this 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 draft class is particularly interesting is there's there's gonna be some guys who are real difference makers that end up getting drafted late in the first round early in the second round this happens every year obviously but this year in particular feels um it it feels a little bit more noteworthy than most I mean there's guys that are going to end up going in the late first and early second that I think are going to be starters long term in the NBA that doesn't happen every year this class in particular it feels like it, it could absolutely happen
0: so your mock draft, we'll, we'll try and focus in on round one. Maybe we'll bounce around a little bit past yeah. that, but we'll, we'll focus in on round one. So obviously we got to start at the top and you alluded to it earlier. You are a Chet Holmgren guy. I am also a Chet Holmgren guy. You have him currently mocked at number one, which by the way, we, you gave the disclosure. I've given the disclosure. We, we, the Intel that we're hearing, we think it's going to be Jabari Smith. That's what all the competent Intel say, but this is the part of the year so many smoke screens can be thrown around. Like we, we ultimately, we, we don't know what the hell's going to happen, right? So it could still be Chet Holmgren for for my money. I would take Chet number one. He is my best player on my big board. Why do you feel the same way about Chet? What what strikes you about with him?
1: This is more just a team philosophy thing than than anything. Uh, this is the Magic front office that was instrumental in drafting Giannis. They drafted yep. Mobamba several years ago. They they love the wingspan. It's hard to imagine that Chet Holmgren is sitting there at number one and they say, hey, you know, let's let's pass on this guy. Like this is this is a first team all wingspan type dude, uh, seven foot with, you know, like seven, six, seven, seven wingspan. So elite defender, um, a guy who I think we both agree is kind of just scratching the surface in terms of what he can be on offense. He was really good on offense at Gonzaga but it wasn't used that often. And that was in part because Gonzaga is absolutely loaded. You know, they were a number one seed last season and still Chet was kind of just another guy on offense. But um, the long-term appeal with, with with Chet Holmgren, I think is, is pretty undeniable. Uh, wouldn't be surprised if he ends up going number two, but for now, uh, unless I definitively hear like, okay, the Magic are taking Jabari Smith number one, which it sounds like it, it's trending that way. Um, but I kind of have to, I have to see it to believe it with, with them passing on Chet. And, um, I'm kind of pinching myself at the thought that that Chet could fall to to number two for, for the thunder.
0: But if, if he doesn't, if Chet would actually go number one, Jabari would be the likely target for OKC at two as, as an Oklahoma city guy, would you be disappointed with Jabari at all? Or can you also buy into him just as much as you would want to buy into Chet Holmgren?
1: No, I'm I'm here for it. I, I'm here for it. I feel like there's, there's a clear top two best options for the Thunder in this draft. And they're going to get one of the best two, which is either Chet or Jabari. Um, I was, I actually am not in love with the potential fit of Palabankaro in Oklahoma City. Um, I, I think he would feel a need and would be a really good player yep. in Oklahoma City. But Jabari just is is such a, he's kind of an alpha in a way that like, I don't think people fully appreciate. Like it, it's just like cliche draft coverage talk, but like, he's got that dog in him. You know what I mean? Like just a, just a really tenacious defender, like takes a ton of pride in, in the way that he plays, just always giving relentless energy, just always on it. And his three point shooting is really good. Like for his positional size, like, I, I think that's uh that'd be a good, good fit for the thunder. Um, again, assuming he falls to number two, I, th- I think if he's on the board there and Chet is off the board, uh, Jabari is the pick I think for Oklahoma city.
0: So another guy that you, you just wanted to to say a whole bunch of nice things about him, a guy who you also believe has star potential. We, we didn't get into a ton of Jay and Ivy on the show earlier, but I, yeah. I want you to, to give your, your Jay Nivey sales pitch and why you believe in him because there are a number of people you talk to are around the league or connected to the league who there's teams that have them like in the top two on their boards. Like this isn't just like a three-man race with NBA teams as much as we probably would be led to believe in terms of like the general public. So give, give yep. me your case for Jay Nivey and, and maybe why some teams are feeling the same way that you do about him.
1: Yeah, this is secondhand information I've gotten, so this is not like direct reporting from me. But I know for sure at least one team has Jaden Ivy at number one on their board. Um, he's a sophomore, so he's, you know he's maybe a little bit older. Uh, not necessarily the guy who would end up going number one, uh, just in terms of his profile. Um, but an elite athlete, a guy who can pressure the rim whenever the heck he wants. Really improved as a three-point shooter uh, from freshman year to sophomore year. Not not only took a leap, uh, just in terms of his development, but went from like a pretty good role player to like he's an alpha on a you know a top ten college basketball team. And I think if you're projecting him at number one, which I am, I'm betting on him being a future lead guard. And there are some absolute questions in terms of that projection. Sure. Uh, and and we can get into those, but I mean just his decision making needs to improve he a lot of times when he's playing on the court like he'll 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 put himself in situations where like you know he's he's driving to the rim he jumps up in the air and he's he's caught and he has to make a decision and it's usually a bad decision where he's he's throwing it away just trying to do too much his decision making needs to improve his passing needs to improve a little bit Uh, Would love to see his defensive effort improve just a little bit. There's times where, you know, he's either caught ball watching or he's just not engaged. Doesn't take a a ton of pride on that end. Um, But I just, I I think long-term his appeal as, as a future lead guard um, is, is pretty enticing. I think you have to have the right fit in terms of team for him to go number one. And that's why I'm not projecting him to go number one in the mock draft, but that's why you know, just uh, in a vacuum, that's why I would take him number one um, in, uh, in, in any situation, basically.
0: I mean, he's arguably the, the best athlete in this draft class. So that obviously bodes well in his favor. And again, you have him mocked right now at four to the Sacramento Kings. I, yeah. I would agree with that. I think if they keep the pick and they don't do anything wild or, or funky, as some of the rumors that have come out a little bit over the last few days, I, I think that's where they would go as well, which would leave Shane Sharp, the mystery man of the draft yeah. as, as i wrote for no ceilings NBA.com. he really is the, the mystery man of this class at number five to the detroit pistons however we talk about shayden i get your thoughts on shayden but the next guy we we brought this up on your show kyle the next guy your number six pick keegan murray to the pacers i mentioned that I had said that he could possibly be in play for Detroit, at least along my line of thinking. You brought up that point before I even brought it up on your show. Yep. We would agree with you. We are big Keegan Murray people at no ceilings. Why are you in on, on Keegan Murray? Why do you think he should get possible consideration as high as five?
1: So I'm going to be honest. I'm not a huge Keegan Murray guy. And this this is gonna this is gonna crush your soul i know oh, i love oh, i, lo- I oh. love him i think he's gonna be a really good nba player and i'm confident in that uh but like what's the difference between him and ej liddell like similar size can shoot the three both kind of alphas good defenders um uh, i don't know like I, I would take him in in like the 8 to 12 range as opposed to like the 5 to 8 range um And this is, this is maybe more of like EJ Liddell propaganda than Keegan Murray hate. I really like EJ Liddell and having, we all, we also like
0: EJ Liddell a lot. Yep.
1: There you go. There you go. Um, but, uh, but yeah, like I, I think, I think Keegan Murray is realistically in play at number five, anywhere from five to like 12. I would just take him probably on the lower end of that, even acknowledging just an incredible shooter, a guy who's going to be a really good defender in the NBA. Like the floor is very, very high for him. He is going to be a good NBA player. I'm just not sure in this draft, there are players that I would rather take swings on as like future stars, as opposed to Keegan, who like, I don't think he's going to be a star. I just think he's made a really good NBA player. And that's more like a, just a philosophical difference that I'm kind of uh, battling with personally Uh, But totally, I think it's totally reasonable. If you want to take Keegan Murray, you know, number four, number five, number six is where I have him currently in the mock draft. Uh, I think that's that's very reasonable.
0: All right. Well, if that's the case for Keegan Murray, you got to sell me on this next guy, man. And I've been, I've been up and down on Ty Ty Washington all year. I'm I'm down right now, man. I, I actually have him in the 20s on my big board when I went back to, to redo it. You have him in the mock draft at number seven of Portland. Now, I will say that Matt Babcock told me, he he reported on my podcast that he knows that he or at least he thinks that Ty Ty is not going to make it out of the lottery. And that yeah. that was like the one thing you said on my podcast that made me kind of sit back in my chair. Like, what am I missing with Ty Ty? Like, why why can't I personally get there on him? But you you mocking him in your mock draft on com. You also taking him in your mock draft that we did earlier today. Why are you in on Ty a lottery prospect? What do you like about him?
1: The size is good. You know, 6'3", six, 6'4". Six um, the shooting is fantastic. 35% from three as a freshman at Kentucky. In a system that's a little bit stuffy for guards. Um, yeah. There's There's been some really good NBA guards come through that system and not have that type of success. So him doing that as a freshman, I think is really encouraging. He learned how to play off the ball at Kentucky because severe Wheeler was on the ball. And I think that really helped kind of his maturation, his development. Um, And on top of that, he's a really good passer and playmaker. This is a guy who has some shades of Tyrese Maxey to his game, just because I don't think he's purely going to be a two guard. Like I think he can switch between the one and the two, and that's why I'm higher on him. The The playmaking that we saw, just only in flashes, again, because Severe Wheeler was kind of the lead guard for yeah. Kentucky, um, I, I think is going to translate. I'm not entirely sure that he's going to be like a full-time starting point guard, but if you're going to get like one of those one-and-a-half guards in this range, Ty-Ty uh, is, is the guy that I would take a gamble on. I, th- I think the passing and the, and the playmaking is, is absolutely real. Um, we already know he's a great shooter. The, the touch that he has on floaters is, is fantastic. It's a good, th- yeah. a good free throw shooter. So all of that stuff I think is going to translate to the NBA. And, um, so yeah, for, for that reason, you know, admittedly I'm a tad bit higher on, on Ty Ty than most, but a little bit more bullish and just kind of buying the dip with Ty Ty, just thinking long-term what he can be and acknowledging the fact that like, he was injured for, you know, a good stretch of the end of Kentucky season. I, I don't entirely think we saw kind of what his ceiling can be and his athleticism was a little bit zapped, but I, th- I think the athleticism, like all that stuff is absolutely real. And uh, I think we'll, we'll end up looking back in a few years and thinking like, how did Ty Ty Washington, you know, slip to you know, 12 or 13 like that. he's, he's one of the best guards in this draft. So at number seven, that's uh, that's where I'm comfortable taking him.
0: So you you referenced earlier earlier today the uh, the 17 assist game that he had. He 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 got off to the season a little bit of a rough start. Then yeah. he started to find his groove and then the injury bug hit him. So I guess it's more so some of my skepticism is around I just don't have enough of a sample size that I'm comfortable with from an evaluation standpoint. So you're you're a firm believer in his skill set that he had he not gotten hurt, right? Had that not happened and he suffered the, the injury that he did if he would have been healthy, that guy that we saw in that 17 assist game and through some of those good stretches he had in the season, you're comfortable at this point saying you, you think he would have been more of that guy as the season would have went on. I
1: don't know that necessarily he would have like taken over the playmaking um, role from, from severe Wheeler. Because but
0: then more of like a difference maker.
1: No, absolutely. Yes, okay. absolutely. I I think he was just finding his groove and then the injury happened. And then he, you know, like he he tried to test it, he injured himself again. He tried to test it, and it's just like could never totally get comfortable and fully healthy, and, you know, I'm not concerned about the injury. I don't think it's going to be a long-term injury or anything, but it's just one of those nagging injuries where if you're an NBA prospect, you're a potential one-and-done guy. Um, you, you're not able to completely put your put your best foot forward at the end of the season where a lot of these one-and-done guys like Jeremy Sohan – Adrian Griffin, like some of these guys are kind of peaking as the end of the season comes along. Ty Tai was not able to do that. Uh, but, you know, this is again, you're kind of projecting context, role, future role, uh, future potential. And with Tai Ty, Ty, like I think he kind of checks all the boxes. And I'm just kind of hoping uh, that some of the athleticism and the, the lack of athleticism that we saw at the end of the year uh, will start to come back once uh, once he gets full of the LB.
0: Does any of that pop? or or lack thereof at different points throughout the year, give you some cause to pause about AJ Griffin as well. Cause that's, he, he's been a name that I've been back and forth on him as well. I mean, the the shooting kind of speaks for itself, but there are real concerns about other parts of his game due to that. Does that, does that concern you personally at all? Or you you, want to buy into the shooting and the sample size that we have and, and all the good stuff?
1: No, but you know, I think it's important to, to remember, like to keep in mind, like it's, it's one of many data points that I think you have to take into consideration when you're scouting AJ Griffin. Yep. Um, if, if there was no injury history, um, I think we're talking about a guy who's like a top three prospect in this class. Yeah, um, and, I, I and, agree. Yeah. And, and like Audie Joseph, uh, my editor, longtime editor, basically during the season was like, are we sure like Palo Duke's best prospect? And I'm like, good point. I'm not entirely <laughs> sure about it. And, um, so he's the guy that I've kind of waffled on kind of gone back and forth on because, you know, he checks all the boxes in terms of the frame six foot six, he's, he's really athletic, but he's not like explosive. Um, uh, the shooting is, is going to translate and you know, it's 44%, uh, from, from the three point line as a freshman, uh, and hopefully the defense will, will come around, but you know, wings who are that size, who have that skill set, um, are, are going to translate. And I think if you're just kind of ranking this class in terms of like future star power, uh, AJ Griffin should absolutely be near the top of the list. And you have to hope that kind of the injuries, which he's battled on honestly for for several years now, um, can either be in the past or they're or they're not gonna hamper him in a way that they have. Um, you know, obviously at Duke and going back to his high school career.
0: No, I, I agree. I think if 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 the medicals check out for him and he has enough of a clean bill of health i mean I, he was one of the first guys in this draft class i talked about on, on draft deeper coming into this cycle he was one of the top six guys and, and i agree with you i think he'd probably be a top four talent i i'm not sure if he would surpass any of those top three like bigs but i think he would be much more in play for the Kings at number four. And I know that they, they did interview him at the combine. So there, there is some, there could be some crazy stuff. That, there's crazy stuff every year in every draft, but there, there could be some stuff where AJ Griffin rises all the way up that high. So where you have him at number eight in the mock should not shock anybody. And there are a lot of people in those ceilings who would agree. So just to rattle off some names in the back half that you have here, Jeremy Sohan to the Spurs in number nine, Ochai Abaji to the Wizards at ten. Benedict Matherin to the Knicks at 11, Usman Jang at number 12 to the Thunder, Jalen Duran to the Hornets at 13, and Johnny Davis to the Cavs at 14, which is, that's a name I think you and I were, were, were a little shocked. It's like we do this exercise, Johnny Davis is at 14? Yeah. He's not like a top 10 guy? Dude, where, where are you at on, on Johnny Davis personally? It's like there, there are some skeptics. We, we have one person at no ceilings, Tyler Metcalf, who has him as like his fourth best prospect.
1: Honestly. I love it. So, I love
0: which, it. So is that kind of more in line with where you are? You think he's if by your evaluation? You think he's a back end lottery guy?
1: This is this is the range where I would be comfortable taking him. Um, he's number ten on the big board right now, so okay. I'm a little higher than where I'm currently projecting him. Um, okay. Just in the fact that in this draft, like he's a guy who I think is honestly, I think he may be the most NBA ready in terms of all the guards in this draft. Um, I would agree. And so six foot five, he's, he, he's a really good defender, multi-positional defender. Uh, I have to hope that, you know, the three point shooting is closer to where he was as a freshman than, than where he was last season. But uh, the shooting is, is going to translate. I think he's going to be a good creator in the NBA. And um, so all of that, I I feel like the frame, like just everything about that screams, you know, top 10 pick to me. So Johnny Davis is a guy that I have top 10, um, 14 in our mock. I can't, I can't imagine he goes this, this late in in the draft, but um, it, can yeah, happen. For, it it absolutely could. And we were talking about this earlier. Just there's going to be some guys who end up slipping just because this draft is so loaded um, that we're going to go like, whoa, like, whoa, Jalen Dern went like 18 or something. Um, there's going to be some really good value for teams that I think are picking in like this late lottery, uh, late teens area.
0: So there were two things about your mock draft that that really stood out to me no it, it was not tie tie at seven i as much as i don't have him that high on my board like I, I don't think that's crazy like i think somebody's going to take a guard and if they're going to take a guard i would agree with you i think ty tie, tie is probably the best quote unquote closer to like the lead guard mold in this draft class yeah two names that really surprised me dyson daniels outside of the lottery that one that one threw me for a little bit you have, you have dyson actually mocked to the rocket 17 which if, if I'm a Rockets fan and somehow they got Paolo Bencaro and Dyson Daniels, <laughs> I mean, holy smokes, that would be quite the coup. But where where are you at personally on, on Dyson Daniels? Do you think he's a lottery talent? Do you think he's probably better suited being taken outside the lottery? Where you at on him? All
1: right. So here's here's my grand scheme, uh, Nathan. I'm just going to tell you straight I gotta, up. I, I, I gotta, am trying to tank the draft stock of Dyson Daniels so he falls <laughs> to number 12 for the oklahoma city thunder um i'm kidding of course but i i cannot even looking at it now i'm like i cannot believe i put him at number 17 in the mock draft um he's gonna end up being top 10 on on my next prospect rankings big board um my next mock draft he will be a lottery pick and i think he went number 10 when we did this mock draft exercise earlier today if i'm not mistaken a guy that I think is easily going to go in the lottery and might go in the top ten. He's been linked to the Spurs a lot, and I'm not sure if that's uh, just because the Spurs have taken an interest in him, or uh, just the fact that he kind of fits the mold of what the Spurs like. Um, but either way, like six foot six guy who. Well, you you tell me because I'm I'm interested in in your take yeah. on this because I'd. I don't totally see him as a true point guard, but I think if you're taking him with a top ten pick, you you probably think he's going to be some sort of primary playmaker, right? Or what's what's the appeal with him? Because obviously defensively, he's he's a monster, um, but I'm just I'm just not entirely sure about some facets of his game on offense. Like, wasn't a great three point shooter with the G League Ignite.
0: Got better though. Second half De- of the year got better.
1: He he did get better. He did get better. Um, and he has some really creative passing in terms of what he can do on as a playmaker, but I'm not entirely sure. Again, going back to like the Ty Ty Washington discussion, I think Ty Ty can be a potential lead guard. I'm not entirely sure that is the case with Dyson, but I I'm willing to be talked out of that. Like I'm kind of not totally sold one way or another with Dyson Daniels.
0: He's a guy When you evaluate him, when you evaluate him, when he has the ball in his hands, right? Because he did have to play a lot of point guard, a lot of lead guard for G League to kind of bring that team together. When he's coming off that screen, he is so intelligent with how he uses that screen and how he sets himself up after he gets off that screen. He can keep somebody on his hip. He recognizes the space that he has. He has a good floater, good touch on the floater. Yep. You mentioned some of the shooting. I agree. I think I want him to improve a little more as a mid-range shooter and as a three-pointer, although he did second half the year with Ignite. A lot of those guys really improved, to, to be honest, when they got yep. a little more comfortable playing at that level. Uh, but then you mentioned the, the defensive impact. I think I, I see him, and I said this earlier on your show, I see him as more as like a Tyrese Halliburton kind of guy yeah. coming in early, like a secondary playmaker and creator. But I think eventually he's going to get to the point where he's going to have the ball in his hands a lot more often. And you hear him talking at the combine in interviews and interviews and some things you hear behind the scenes. like He believes that he has star upside in this league and that he's going to become not just a better creator for others as he gets older, but also a better shot taker and shot maker at the NBA level as well. And just when you evaluate where where he's at with that near six, eight size, that length, man, it's, it's, it's hard to talk yourself out of him. And I guess the one thing that I come back to uh, Kyle, and I'll, I'll be curious to see if you agree on this point, at least I started looking at these teams in like a mock draft scenario and where they could possibly go. It's hard for me to necessarily say that this team X in the lottery can't use a Dyson Daniels. Yeah and that's sure. why I think that his stock in my eyes at least kind of has to be in that top 10 range by the fall.
1: Yeah, I I totally agree with that. I definitely agree with that. And again, I'm I'm admitting, I'm raising my hand here. Have him too low at number 17. And in fact, Josh Giddy's impact last season with the Thunder I think has has kind of helped his stock as well because Yes. Essan Daniel's like, "Okay, even if you're not projecting him as like a true lead guard, the guy who's going to run your offense, he's just a connector. Like he's so smart. He's so intelligent as a cutter. He, he knows how to make passing reads very high level IQ. Um, Just a guy who I think is, is going to be a solid NBA player, like size wise kind of matches up with, with Lonzo ball. Um, He's not the creative passer that, that Lonzo is, but I, I like that as a, you know, maybe a comp and um, just like Lonzo, like if the three point shot is, is going to fall, um in the nba which again if you're taking him with a lottery pick you expect that it eventually will um then then i really like him you know as as a clear lottery guy and, and then i think the defense is obviously going to translate
0: i like that comp i know my producer kevin black likes that comp he is one of the biggest lonzo ball fans that i've had yeah. in my life so i know i know that he's rooting for for that comp to definitely shake itself out as well um a little bit later in your first round mock the two Ohio State guys, we kind of mentioned one, EJ Liddell, and then we can talk about the other one, Malachi Branham. Which do you like more as a prospect? If you had to choose between the two,
1: yeah, I'd I'd take the gamble on Malachi for sure. Okay. Um, I'm enamored with, you know, first of all, he's got really good positional size, six foot five, um, but just a guy who like fits into a very neat, tidy bucket as a scoring wing in the NBA. And, um, I think that's super valuable. Like if you're going to shoot over 40% from three, um, in the NBA, like that is a, that is real. That is, that is going to translate. And he's, you know, he was 42% from three last season at Ohio state, got even better in the second half of the season, just really turned it on. And the offense is absolutely going to translate. I think the defense, he, he had some, he had some good flashes, some good spurts on defense, um, and I, and I think that will be I'm not entirely sure it'll be a strength, but I don't think it'll be a liability at the NBA level, too. So um, just just in the fact that he's going to be a bucket getter, I know what he, his role is. I'm very confident that he's going to be a good scorer in the NBA. Um, very confident taking him with the top 20 pick. And he's a guy who has been rising over the last you know six oh, weeks yeah. or so. And uh, I think the Malachi hype may be a little bit too much for me, but um, I'm I'm topping out right now. Like I have him on the big board. I'm looking here. I have him at number 16, and I I can't. I'd be so if surprised I, if I
0: told you I have him at top nine. Would that make you fall out of your chair?
1: I think that's that's about as high as I've seen anywhere. It doesn't make yeah. me fall out of my chair, but I mean, I like it. I like the boldness <laughs> because you have to be really confident in your scouting report to have him that high. And you've obviously done the work. So you, you feel good about taking him with the top 10 pick. I think top ten's a tad rich for me, but like lottery range, late lottery, totally cool with that. The guy who's still young was an unexpected freshman, his developmental track um, the way that he has matured over the last year, even from, you know, the early in his freshman season at Ohio state to the end of the season um, very encouraged by that, and I think we're probably splitting hairs if you're kind of arguing Malachi Branham versus EJ Liddell. I think they're both going to go within like five picks of each other, um, but absolutely a guy that I'm super high on and, and have him as
0: a lottery pick right now. So you mocked EJ at yeah. 23 to the Brooklyn Nets. There are there are two guys on our no ceiling staff: Corey Televa is a Chicago Bulls fan. Tyler Metcalf is a Minnesota Timberwolves guy. They're they're both hoping that one of their teams takes E.J. Liddell. And those, both those teams are inside the top 20. There's been – I know you like E.J. There's been a ton of positive buzz about E.J. Obviously, on the court, everything he did at Ohio State, but as well as off the court, just the kind of guy he is, the interviews he's absolutely nailing. At this point, do you think E.J. is going to be there for one of those two teams, or do you think there's any shot he goes even higher than, like, 18? Any, like, challenges towards the lottery?
1: I don't think he'll be there at 20. That's, okay. my, that, that's my take. Okay. Um, I think he will be a top 20 pick Beautiful. and this is, this is part just purely projection, but part like hearing some buzz that like, for example, when I had him in my mock draft, I think at like 28, um, I heard some feedback on that. Like, <laughs> yo, you look like an idiot type feedback. And so I was kindly corrected that his range is most likely probably like 15 to 20 as opposed to like 25 to 30 where i initially had him mm-hmm. and it wasn't like a hey you're wrong you're an idiot it's like hey let me just let me help you out here this is probably like what we're thinking on him and so yeah. um th- i i think fifteen to 20 is totally reasonable um the knock on him, like I think one concern I had was he's six foot seven, but is he like undersized for his position? I I mean, I think maybe a little bit, but again, he doesn't play like he's six foot seven. Like he so doesn't. So I go back and forth on that. I ultimately decided it, it really doesn't matter because if you play like you're six foot ten and two fifty and you're only six seven, two forty, does it doesn't matter doesn't matter? Um exactly. I, I don't think it does. And so the shooting uh the defense like all that's gonna translate i i feel like um 15
0: to 20 ranges is is, uh, is about right for e.j liddell so the last guy i'll ask you about in the first round and then we'll, we'll do a fun question i'll just ask you for for a name off the board anybody who's really piquing your interest but kennedy chandler mocked yeah. the bucks at 24 i i think he's a first round prospect i do the other interesting tidbit, I mentioned the Ty Ty Washington tidbit that, that Matt Babcock gave me. The other one was that he thinks Kennedy Chandler is probably going to be a top 20 pick. Um, mm. And I'm not, in, I'm not in love with Chandler as a prospect in terms of what I see when I break down some of the film. But Kyle, you're a college guy. What, what I can't get myself around that brings me back to him is that he helped lead a pretty veteran laden Tennessee team. Yeah. And they won an SEC tournament championship. Like, mm-hmm. for, for a team of vets to respect a freshman point guard and actually buy into what he brings to the table, just from a leadership standpoint, like, that's pretty special stuff. And the fact that he was able to come in despite some of the concerns and win at a really high level, like, you know, NBA teams and scouts, like, they're smart people. They're going to take that into account. So that that's what brings me back on the train with, with Kennedy. Is there anything – in particular, that stands out to you as far as his game, or you kind of agree for some of the same reasons?
1: No, totally. And you know who was a, a former five-star recruit who played under Rick Barnes, who had nowhere near the same impact that Kenny Chandler did a year ago? It was Jaden Springer, a guy who I had as as a lottery pick in my rankings. And, Springer was really productive, but he he didn't have the same impact that Kennedy Chandler was able to have as as just kind of the the lead dog, the alpha, the guy who really kind of orchestrated what Rick Barnes wanted to do in Tennessee. So, um, I, I'm not again I don't I don't think that he's a top twenty pick. I actually have him outside my first round projections right now. I probably need to update that post combine. But you know the the speed stands out, the passing stands out. I think that um his size is is probably just the biggest concern for me just just projecting him to the nBA he is the smallest prospect of anyone I have in the top sixty, and size doesn't mean everything, but if you're only six foot um I'm just a little concerned that like you're drafting a potential really good backup as opposed to like a starting caliber point guard and that's kind of my, uh, that's kind of my Kennedy Chandler hesitation at the moment. Happy to be proven wrong. This was a guy who had, I, I had in my top 10 preseason um, easily one of the, like the hardest to pin down for me in this draft.
0: His athletic testing confused the living hell out of me, Kyle. Cause he, yep. he had a ridiculous vertical jump, but yet on his jump shot, he like barely gets up off the ground. And that's like part of the concern with him, like scoring size. Like th- that confused me a little bit. I don't know that, that that's just me, but. We hit on a lot of names in the first round of your mock draft, Kyle. is there? G- give me one name who has really piqued your interest in going back and evaluating for where you're going to go in your next mock draft. Any name outside of the top 30 that you definitely want to get in there next time around? Outside the top 30? Outside of the 30 guys you have in there right now. Any, anybody who you're like, I got to get him in the top 30 next time around. I, I can give you a name. I can definitely give you a name.
1: Yeah, give me a name. Give me. We a. talked.
0: We we mentioned him earlier in the day, man. Jalen Williams out of Santa Clara. Yeah, this, we,
1: you're right. You you're gotta
0: right. get the. You gotta get this guy in the first round, man. I'm telling you, this we've been buzzing about him at no ceilings. And again, as I said on that pod, I will not take the credit. That's that's Tyler Rucker's boy. I did a mock draft pod myself after the lottery, and again, we're we're not we're not doing that mock based on anything that we're healer, hearing as a collective. We're doing it based on what we would do. I was bold on that mock for a few picks, but particularly for the Charlotte Hornets, they got two picks. I think where they go in this draft, they got to nail those two picks because they're going to be in a pressure situation to win or at least start to win with LaMelo Ball in the fold. Like they got to nail those two picks. And I look at a lot of these names, Kyle, that we can talk about, like the the 16 all the way to like the the 40 range. I have a lot of confidence in what Janet Williams can bring to the table on both ends of the floor. I picked him at 15. And you know what? Oh, wow. A lot of people ended up saying, like, "Oh, is he a lottery pick?" Like after I did that, I'm like, "Dang right, he, he should be talked about." Maybe not as like a lottery pick, but like I think top twenty, top twenty-five. I'd be I'd be shocked at this point if he wasn't picked in that range. What, what do you think about him?
1: Yeah, I I'm I'm. In fact, you just asked me to think of someone. I literally I have written down Jalen Williams. Um, there it is. I love I love him. He's a guy who um, is going to be top. 30 on the next big board rankings, still doing my mock draft, but um, at the moment, you know, he's not in the current mock draft, might be in the next one. Um, Jalen Williams is a guy who I think we, I did not have him in the mock draft before. He will be in the mock draft again. And then Pat Baldwin Jr., um, someone who, you're doing the grimace face for those who are listening. And yeah, like I agree. It's, it's really hard to pin down exactly like where to put him in this, in this draft. Like this is a guy who at one time was ranked as the number one recruit in his class. He's dealt with injuries as a freshman at Milwaukee playing under his dad, dealt with injuries as a senior only played a few games and ended up missing the rest of the season. Uh, But I I think he did well for himself at the combine, just uh, the size that he has, he measured out a lot taller than than i thought he would uh the shooting for his size positional size i think is fantastic um have him number 37 in my rankings which just feels criminally low and he feels like a guy that if someone has some has some tolerance in terms of what they're willing to take on from a risk perspective in this in this draft if he goes like 15 wouldn't shock me at all wouldn't um shock me either yeah, just, just like one of the widest ranges of any prospect in this draft. Um, but I'm, I'm starting to come around to the idea that I'm not totally confident in my rankings having him that high, but in my mock draft, I'm starting to think it's sounding more and more like he's going to be a first round pick. And, um, I would imagine he stays in the draft. And if he does stay in the draft, as as kind of sounds like what I'm hearing, um, he's he's probably gonna end up being a top thirty guy.
0: I love it, man. Keep the keep the Pat Baldwin propaganda going. I, yeah, I, I personally love it. I, I still wanna have him as like a top twenty-five guy myself, potentially top twenty guy. I, I wanna believe. So Yeah. Kyle this was an awesome podcast i seriously can't thank you enough like i said for coming on and giving me some so sure. a little bit of time here at draft deeper just one more time for my audience please plug yourself plug your socials plug everything that you do for cbs sports because more more people need to to, to find you and follow your work and, and pay attention because you, you gave me the time of day so i would hope my audience certainly checks out everything you're doing
1: oh sure yeah no i uh appreciate you having me on um yeah, you can follow all my stuff at cbsports.com. We have a great team. David Cobb, Gary Parrish, Matt Norlander who does a does a really good job covering the draft and very fortunate to be to be on that team of of stars just another guy in in uh in that mix. And uh yeah, we'll have a, we'll have a ton of, you know, mock draft coming on Friday. Um Norlander and I are working on a story about like the the race for number 1. I think yes. it it may be starting to come into the picture a little bit, but very excited to talk to some scouts and kind of get like an in depth analysis of like how the NBA views this, this, the top of this draft with, you know, specifically Chet Holmgren, Jabari Smith, Palo Bucaro, and, and Jaden Ivey. So, very excited about that. And, um, yeah, just, uh, thanks for everyone for, uh, for listening. And, um, again, if you guys are listening now, you guys are doing a great job. Keep following the No, Ce- no Ceilings team. Uh, they know what they're talking about. So, very excited to, uh, to be on the podcast with you for sure.
0: Thank you again for those, those kind words, Kyle. And I'm the guy in no ceilings who keeps tab on all the big board updates and the mock drafts and updates our database of where everybody's going. So between you and Gary and Matt, I, I'll be watching. Don't worry. I'm going to yep. watch it and And we, we might have some conversations in the coming days, depending on where you go next, but Again, thank you so much, everybody out there listening to this episode of the podcast. If you aren't subscribed already, please make sure you go do so wherever you get your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Draft Deeper. Make sure you're following the No Ceilings Collective at No Ceilings NBA and are subscribed to the No Ceilings Substack, No Ceilings Awesome draft content. Monday through Friday, every day of the week, we're hitting you with something new, as Kyle alluded to earlier in the show. Keep coming back for more. We will have plenty leading up to draft day. But until then, thank you all for listening to this episode. I hope you all have a wonderful rest of your week.